0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's
1: going on, everybody? Let's go ahead and jump into it. Give me the now. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? Today, we got a special treat for you. Today, we got my brother, my friend, Mr. Marcus Smith the Second. If you don't know, you need to know first-round draft pick. All-conference standout at Louisville. Uh, he went from playing quarterback in high school <laughs> to playing defensive end and then getting drafted in the first round playing in the NFL. Played for some years. And then after that, um, I would say his his career was uh, prematurely cut short. Um, he experienced some difficulties but man i don't want to tell his whole story i want him to tell his story i just want to go ahead and jump right in it man so welcome to ringside ray and prince podcast you already know we we're giving you the vip treatment marcus welcome to the show thank you so much for being here brother
2: man appreciate you guys for having me man it's a blessing to be able to talk to, to you guys again talk about yeah. some of the things that we do talk about and you know Prince, we, you know, you know how we rock it, bro. And I'm glad to meet you, Ray. This is, uh this is going yes, to be fun.
0: Let's do it, yeah, man. man. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're super happy to have you on here. And a lot of the conversation, what we do on ringside is we make sure that everybody has an up-close and personal seat. Like, conversations that you don't normally have. Uh, we go into the background a little bit. We we'll want to talk about, like, what was your passion? What what got you into the sport? Also, what is is your driver outside the sport because, you know, you, we, we're bigger than our sports. We're bigger than football. We're bigger than boxing. And, you know, want to talk to you about you know, your whole journey. So what, what was that like? Where where are you from? Like, what, what was the start of Marcus Smith II?
2: Man, so I am from Columbus, Georgia. That's where I'm originally from. That's where my family, born and raised right by Phoenix City, Alabama. Uh, It's like neck and neck. The water, the river basically separates Phoenix City and Columbus, Georgia. That's where I started playing football when I was five years old. My daddy introduced me to the sport. And it's funny because when I got introduced to the sport, my dad was watching Monday Night Football every Monday. This is still a theme for him. He still does this when football season, it's a thing. Watch Monday Night Football. You watch the whole game, so I just got used to watching the whole game Monday Night Football. My dad, they would have to make me go to sleep to watch it. And this is that. This is at five. So I found a love and infatuation of the game. You know what I mean? And then once I got the opportunity to play, it was like I was playing like the guys that I seen, right? And the funny thing is, my first play of me getting the ball, I ran the wrong way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I ran the wrong way, and they had to turn me around, and I ended up scoring. So like, I ran the wrong way, then I scored. My dad yelling on the sideline trying to get me to turn around. And that was like the start of something special, right? Uh, my dad, he seen that. He wasn't even my coach that year because he wanted to kind of like stay out of it. Right. You know, some parents, they like, man, I don't want to coach my son. I, I want him to learn from someone else and, and be able to take coaching. So he saw that and he was like, oh, nope, I'm going to be a coach next year. And that's when my quarterback journey started, because he said, I got I got to point this boy in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, can't sit
0: back and watch. I got to coach my son, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's exactly what it yeah. was, man. He was he ended up being my coach every year till um, I turned 12. So, yeah, man, that's that's how all this started, man. It's It was just a passion for the game and watching the game uh, every Monday night and on Sundays. That's a
0: unique situation because I look back at it. Uh, you know, my father was a fighter. My grandfather was a fighter. My uncle was a fighter. My, my grandmother was probably the best fighter of all. And it was a family thing to go to the gym and box. But then when I found football, that was a whole different thing for me. And then it came back that I was coaching my sons. My, my first son was born at, at three three years old. I was putting him on a soccer field and that's then tough. coached me up to, to go on to college. So that's a unique situation to have your dad coaching you. What was what was that like early on? Because you hear the good and bad stories about it. You get you know, some people saying daddy ball," and you got other people are like,
2: Hey, I don't even want to play for my
0: father because I know he can be hard on me than he can be hard than everybody else. What was that like for you?
2: Man, it was extremely tough. My dad was super, super hard. Y'all y'all know how fathers are, you know, coaching-wise. He coached me in basketball, too, right? So I played AAU, and then during football season, he was my coach, the head coach, right? So it was tough because he definitely was harder on me than other players, right? But obviously, I didn't understand at the time, but he seen so much and he knew so much, a lot that I didn't really see in myself. You know, I didn't even know I was that good. So I think he the reason that I'm a humble person today is because he never told me that I was good. So I was always like wondering, like, am I doing good? You know, everybody else would you know, be telling me that I'm, that I'm great. You know, I'm doing good, but I will only be wanting to hear I'm doing good from him. You know what I'm saying? But it wasn't that he didn't want to tell me. It was just to keep me level-headed, to keep me humble. And I didn't really understand that till I got older. So uh it's funny that you say the father thing, right? Well, when I turned 12, remember I said that by the time I got 12, he was done coaching me. Well, People got tired of me playing quarterback. They felt like I was the coach's son and that they, I was the only reason that I was playing was because my dad was the coach, right? And so he eliminated himself the next year and I pretty much rode the bench the next year all the way up until the championship game, right? I was a second string quarterback, right? And before the championship game, the quarterback that we had, he got sick, right? So I ended up playing. And we won championship, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I was put in a position, even though they didn't want me to play, I ended up having to play to will my team to victory as as the quarterback, you know what I mean? So it was tough being the coach's son, but I learned a lot of lessons through his, his teaching and why he was hard on me. I really started to understand as I got older, uh, why he did what he did.
1: Bro. Hello. So you were, you were the starting quarterback. You're 12 years old. You're still trying to internalize your feelings, still trying to you know, get it all together, digest it. And now, you know, everyone is mocking you saying, Hey, you're, you're the coach's son. Uh, you don't need to be starting now. They had they put another quarterback in front of you, you sit out the whole season, and now when it's time for you to perform at a high level, you will your team to victory. Like what was going through your 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 mind, your body at the time? How were you internalizing your emotions and your feelings? Were you just kicking back, eating sunflower seeds and saying, you know, I'm good? Or, you know, what what were you going home and pouting in private?
2: Man, I definitely was pouting for sure. Like I would be lying to y'all if it, you know, as a kid, if I didn't have a sour attitude, right, because I was so used to playing. And my dad kind of like nipped that in the bud and was like, look, like you got to earn your way and just keep fighting and something good will come out of it, right? And it's so funny, they they changed my position. They was trying to try me at different spots, right? And so I, I ended up playing running back. Right. And at the time, a dual threat quarterback, like I wasn't really throwing the ball as much, but I could run the ball. Right. So they end up putting me at running back. But they put me at running back at the end of a game. um, We was blowing the team out. I think that's when I was this when I was 11, 12 years old. Right. And I scored six touchdowns at the end of the game. You know, what I'm saying three touchdowns got called back. I get to the sideline the coach is telling me, like, man, you don't got to score every – he literally told me I don't have to score every play.
0: <laughs> what?
2: And so he said I go, you I to, I go to the one. end of the bench, and my father – I told my father what he said. He was like, no, you score every time you touch the ball. Right? But that was – when you really look at it, though, it, it was more so the parents. And them pushing that on to the coaches. And saying to them, like, man, you know what? Like, I want my kid to play. Or, you know, this kid ain't that good. His his dad just a coach. That's the only reason why he playing, right? But it was like my father really wanted to show them the reason that he stopped coaching is because he wanted to show them, like, "Uh, I'm good without him, right? I just really didn't get to show that for real until the end of the season. You know, it was some parts of that that I did get to show it but they put me right back on the bench because it was like they had to make the parents proud or happy, or whatever it may have been. But man, you know, as a kid, man, that's tough, especially mentally, you know, but I couldn't, it was like, you know how we are, man, playing football back then, barbaric sport. Like we just naturally had to suck it up. Right. And, um, that's what my dad. That's what I had to do at the time, not realizing that I'm just masking. I'm just getting through this thing, and I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to talk about some of this stuff later. You know what I'm saying? When I get older, not realizing I am. You know,
1: man. So, so you you you're in AAU sports, and now uh, you get to high school. So, did you play quarterback throughout? Did they try to keep you at the running back position? And then, two, how did you end up at the quarterback position and play in high school? and then uh, get drafted to go to college?
2: So, yeah. So I I played quarterback all the way up until um, I was 12, right? They tried to switch me around, and every time I scored or I touched the ball, uh, they would put me back on the bench when it, when it came to offense, right? And then – the last game of the season, that's when I got put back in as quarterback and we ended up winning the championship. So I played quarterback the rest of my years, any, any time, like when it came to middle school, I was quarterback. I was starting quarterback uh, in eighth grade. And then once I got to high school, uh, they tried me at receiver a little bit, but then they seen that I could play quarterback. Cause you know how you go out for different stuff and you go out for the different positions. They're like, okay, this kid, he's a quarterback. And so, I ended up starting at quarterback my sophomore year, my freshman year, Kelsey McCray, who actually, who who was actually played in the league for four years, four or five years. He was a quarterback my freshman year. Right. So he ended up playing safety in the league. He went to Arkansas state. So when he left, I had like big shoes to fill. Uh, I came in and I started as a sophomore and then, my junior year is when I got my first offer from uh, University of Florida.
0: Hold so. on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you a, you, University
2: of Florida, you got an offer to play quarterback? Yeah, that's what they said. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you, know how, you know how it goes. Yeah, like, I know how it <laughs> they say my body frame and was like, yeah, you're an athlete, right? Cause it wasn't. I was a dual threat quarterback, but when you really go back and look at it, you go look at the film. It's like I was just an athlete out there, just doing what athletes do. It wasn't like I was reading coverages or learning the game in that way. I, I'm just out there winging it and doing a okay job at it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when Florida came, <laughs> Florida came to the table, and they had seen my highlight tape. My my first play on my highlight tape was like. I had like six broken tackles and I threw a long ball, touchdown. Right, and so that was the only play that they seen. They had never seen me in person. So the guy uh, across the street that went to Carver High School, his name is Jarvis Jones. He went first round to the Steelers, right in uh, 2013. He's a Georgia guy, and um, I happened to be on his highlight. So how they got to see me was from his highlight film. Now he was smacking me on his highlight film <laughs> too, but they seen me and then they wanted to see more of me. And so once they got my tape, they was like, oh man, we gotta we gotta see what this guy's all about. So that's how the offer came from from Florida. And that was my first huge offer. But I didn't get another offer until University of Louisville. Honestly. Yeah,
0: so so you get an offer because you get mugged on somebody
2: else's tape. Yep. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> that's, that's how it happened. <laughs> yep. That's exactly how it happened. And then like once, once I got that, you, you know, back then you like, okay, other offers is going to roll, roll in. But you know, I had a problem in the classroom. And so Florida at the time was a national championship team. They had Tebow. They had, this is 08, 09, They had all these top people so they could get the top players, the best players. Right. So, they come in and look at my grades, and they're like, "Ah, oh, man, you gotta, you got a lot of work to do." And so over time, they stopped contacting, they stopped talking to me. So I was honestly about to go to JUCO to play quarterback until Coach Strong came along um, and talked to my father, and you know, helped me get into school, helped me take certain classes to get my GPA up, um, so I can actually go to uh, Louisville and play. You would
1: man, you you would never think that you had trouble in the classroom. Uh like the way that you articulate yourself now and to associate that those two things, like uh, oh, not doing good in school, and uh you, you won't be able to do well in athletics or just later on in life is is definitely a null and void to me. Man, so now you get to Louisville. What was it like in Louisville and were you playing quarterback at the time did they have lamar jackson there i'm no i'm pretty sure they didn't but
2: teddy teddy b i i was that, the era of teddy bridgewater man they had teddy b there, there. so yep.
1: so when you came in they had teddy b there was he there
2: before you or or, or after teddy teddy actually came the semester after right semester after. Uh-huh. so but i got switched before teddy came thank god <laughs> when, you, when I see Jesus, when I see him come in and throw the ball, I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. Like, okay, I see why. Hey, you know, that's your thing. You know, I'm going to let you have that, man. You know what I'm saying? Because he was just so precise and very smart and methodical. And just, I mean, his delivery, how, how he d- did things is like something I had never seen before. Um, so I, I knew he was a great quarterback. The uh, first practice. Right. Everybody was like out there watching. He had the gloves. You know, he the first one kind of with the glove, both gloves on. I mean, throwing darts out there. But um, my first year, I went in and I was quarterback. I had it was two seniors in front of me. Um, so I really weren't getting no playing time like that. <laughs> I was throwing a lot of picks out there. I was having trouble with uh the plays, you know what I'm saying? The long play callings. Right, <laughs> they used to make fun of me. That job was so that job was so crazy, but uh,
1: and they didn't have no wristbands at the time either, right?
2: <laughs> oh man, dog! <Dumb. laughs> I would look back and be like, What's the play again? <laughs> 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 yo, yo, yeah. hey, but um, it, it's, it's 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 funny to talk about it now, but I wasn't getting any playing time at the time, and I was in, I was a quarterback for about two weeks no i would say probably a, a week and a half in camp right and a, a week before we played uk they switched me to linebacker Coach strong he comes over to me he's like yo what you think about playing linebacker and my response to him was look whatever it takes to get me from being over here because it wasn't like I was getting any reps, right? It's two seniors, they know the offense. I didn't I can I came in July, right? So there's no way that I'm about to crack the starting lineup learning the playbook in one month, right? We we play in what, the beginning of September, right? And I'm learning a playbook that takes, you know, time to to really learn and and to develop. And so they asked me to play linebacker, so we had a two-day practice today. And I was linebacker in second practice. Then I end up starting the first game against U.K. That's crazy. That's
0: crazy. So, you you, got, you guys were in the, the Big East at the time, right? Louisville was yep. the Big East. Yep. So, yeah, before they moved to the ACC. But, like, you you come in playing quarterback. You look at it and say, look, nope, this ain't
2: going to work out. <laughs> and they move you over the back and you. you start the first game? Bro, I start the first game did terrible. <laughs> I did terrible the first game, right? Cause like I, I gotta tell y'all the story just because I gotta give you context on my story and how there were so many trials and tribulations through my journey where everybody sees it as kind of like a perfect thing, right? Oh man, you play quarterback. Oh man, you got switched. And then you end up as a starter and then you you get drafted first round. But there are some little pockets in there where I had to fire myself. Right. I had to figure it out because after that first game, I got demoted. I was on the bench. Right. I wasn't ready yet because I had to learn the system. My, they thought that they could out athlete people. Right. At the time, they wanted the best athletes out there. But then they realized that, OK, maybe this guy. Is not as ready as as we thought so i spent the whole year i had already burned my red shirt right so i spent the whole year just learning playing the linebacker position trying to learn from what we used to call uh our sam linebacker his name was wild man daniel brown we he taught me a lot right the whole year right so i got an opportunity to learn even though i was kind of salty about not playing I wasn't mad because it wasn't like I was hurting the team and I wasn't out there just thinking, right? Because you know, when you don't know the plays and you're trying to figure stuff out, you out there, you just thinking and it don't it don't make sense for you to be out there. <laughs> dead,
1: dead man walking. <laughs>
2: right. Exactly, man. Exactly. So so the whole year, like I'm talking to my dad, talking to my mom. They're trying to figure out okay, what's going on? Do you like the position? You know, I'm praying to God. I'm um, you know it's, it's a tough place to be. I, I have anxiety real bad already. Right. That, that started when I was, when I was younger. Right. Um, depression set in. Right. Because now I'm, I'm playing a position that I never played before and I'm not excelling at the position. Right. So I think that maybe football isn't for me. Right. So that's what I was thinking at the time. But, you know, as a young person, right. I always explain to people as a young person, when you, are, when you just roll out of bed, you could just go play and you don't have to stretch. You don't have to do any of those things, right? So as you get older, you have to stretch. You have to work on your body. You have to do things so you don't pull a hamstring or you don't hurt a muscle, right? I always explain to people that's the same thing with your mental health. But when I was in college, I was still a kid. So I could just muscle through things and not really worry about it and it not affect me. So that whole year, I was just I was going through it, but I was learning at the same time. And my opportunity, just like when I was in Pee Wee football, my opportunity came in in the bowl game. Right. It wasn't a championship, but it was a bowl game. Right. My mentor, my, my friend, my teammate, he got hurt. So my number got called. Right. So now I'm out there playing and I do pretty well. And then another thing happened the next year, right? All our defense alignment had surgery in, in spring. So guess what? We don't have any defense alignment. So what do you think they did? They like, oh well, hmm, you're pretty fast. Ah <laughs> you're gonna come down here with the big boys. I said,
0: Dang it, I was just getting good in love back, man. What is going on? <laughs> Man. It's funny you say that. You start you start talking about, about, about the story, about those challenges you had, and nobody knew what was going on. It's like, all right, this guy, he's a freak athlete. He <laughs> can play wherever he gonna play, we're gonna move him around. But in your head, you had some some struggles about your self-confidence, about you just learning something else, and they're putting you in there, and you're like, why am, why do I keep getting challenged? Like, what what is this? Just as soon as I get comfortable somewhere. Like how how does that affect you, especially at an early age, like playing in a uh, in Division One football? I mean, that that's that's a whole nother uh, challenge of anxiety. You said you had anxiety already. That's a whole nother challenge right there.
2: Man, I, I wanted to quit. Man, I I called my mom and um, I told her like, man, maybe I should go to a Division Two. You know, I I really wasn't believing in myself at the time. And I wasn't really giving myself a chance. And you know, if there's any other athletes out there, man, who a coach believes in you and they see something in you um, that you may not see in yourself, man, I, I want to just tell you, man, just stay the course, man. Stay, stay the course. Uh, you know, God has a plan for you. I'm telling you, you know, it's a reason why the position changes, it's a reason why these things happen. But it was it was tough for me uh mentally. And it took, it took a lot uh, to will me back into a confident state. And so now I'm in spring and I'm playing against all of the offensive linemen, getting pancake. My will is just shot, right? The only thing I could do was pass I had to learn how to set blocks. I had to learn how to set the edge and things of that nature, right? And so after that spring, um, I had an okay year had like five and a half sacks. Um, but my coach ended up sitting me down because he wanted to talk to me about my confidence and things of that nature, which was the first time that I actually got to talk to him. He is actually a D coordinator, Seattle Seahawks now, right? He was my defensive line coach in Louisville. And so it was the first time that he sat me down and was like, look, I need you to stay the course with this position. And I'm looking at him like, what you mean? I said, I am staying the course. No, he's like, no, I need you to stay the course with this position. You're gonna make a lot of money playing this position. I need you to stay the course. The only the reason I ride you so much is because I see everything in you. And I, I swear, like that's sometimes like that's the like, that's all I needed to hear. I just needed to hear, like, man, you believe in me, right? Because when I didn't even believe in myself, my coach came at the right time to tell me, hey man, I believe in you. And that's when my career as a college football player started to go uphill. I started to look at stuff so, so much uh differently than I did in the past. And the way that I played, it started to show up on film. My athleticism started to show up on film, right? They started me at defensive end, they would put me at three technique, they would put me um at four eyes sometimes. You know, I'm a hybrid type of guy right I'm not that big you know what I'm saying I'm like 250 but they would move me around and and me playing defense in line actually helped me with all the other positions you know what I'm saying I'm out in the trenches and they started moving me around back to linebacker in my senior year right so everything started to fall into place as time went and that's why I said at the beginning hey man look coach sees something in you you may not know it early on, you an 18, 19 year old, but they see something for a reason. Just stay the course, man. I'm like they 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 put you in that four eye at, at 250. And they, they, they saw something.
0: <laughs> you can get moved around and playing that technique. I had to
2: learn. I had to learn the position. You know what I'm saying? Now I won't be playing four eye in the league, you know? We was at we was in the big east. They ain't gonna put me in four-eye in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Reconsider. <laughs> hey, I made, I made it work. <laughs> I made it work.
1: Man. Man, that's beautiful, man. And speaking of making it work, so how did it come about you, you know, being a standout in the an All Star in college and then get drafted in the first round in the NFL? Because I was a walk on, man, and I became a scholarship player. I broke the NCAA record, you know. I don't. That didn't hold as much, uh, you know. And I ended up going the fourth round, and I felt I should have went, you know, on the first day at least.
2: Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So how
1: how how did that come about, man? That was that's that's a beautiful transition in
2: itself, man. I I wasn't even thinking about the league um, until after my junior season. We played against Florida in the Sugar Bowl, and we ended up winning the game. I had two sacks that game. And afterwards, in the off-season, an insurance company comes to me and they say, hey, well, have you checked your draft stock, right? This is going into my senior year. And I wasn't really even thinking about it, but it was like, check your draft stock. Um, this is what we have you sl- slotted in a draft if you went this year. So it was like third to fifth round. Um, so I end up being able to sign an insurance policy that said, basically, if you get hurt, um, this is what you will receive if you can't uh, if you get hurt or it hurts your chances of you going into th- these rounds. Right. That's when it started to become real for me. And I'm like, wow. Like people are really watching. Right. Because you don't really know if people are watching like that. But we was playing on a big stage. We was playing a number three team in the country. They were pissed off because. They were supposed to be playing in the natty, but something happened. I think Georgia beat someone and they like missed it by like a couple points. Right. So it, it was, it was a game that everybody was looking for us to get blown out and we ended up winning. Right. And so that was my opportunity to show up on a stage that would propel me into my senior year. And I remember my coach coming to me before my senior year. And he told me because He's had players who have went to the league, right? Coach Calais Campbell, right? That was uh, one of the guys that played with him. I mean, that he coached at Miami. And he told me straight up, like, look, if you get 10 plus sacks, you'll go first round. He told me that. Like, no lie. And I was like, okay, all right, bet. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I go into my senior year, and I finished off with 14 and a half. You know, being second in the nation and sacks, right? And so um, I would say probably like seven, eight of those sacks were uh one-on-ones, and then the rest were like gimmies. you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, bro, you're gonna leave me wide open like that. Don't do me like this. You know, that's that's a gimme sack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but it was it was a process that People didn't even see coming. I didn't get invited to, uh, you know, the draft because they didn't think I was going to go first round, right? Me and my coach, the only people that knew we could possibly go first round. But I'm going to tell you what happened. What happened, there were five pass rushers in front of me, right? So that would make me the sixth pass rusher or the fifth, one of those, right? So you know the way the draft works. They have the board. They have their players on the board, right? If somebody gets drafted, they take a player off the board. The player moves up, right? And so that's what happened. So really, I was slated to go second round, right? I was probably going to go on the second day, but what happened was a lot of these teams went for pass rushers, right? They got Jadavion Clowney, they got Khalil Mack, Ryan Shazier, D. Four. Right. All these people went before me. So it was either me or Trent Murphy, like for the next couple picks. And the Eagles end up trading back to get me. And it was crazy because that was one of the best days of my life. Like to hear my name called. I watch the draft all the time. Like I told y'all before, this is something that I've been watching. Like it's a dream come true. It's a dream come true to be able to go into Philly. And um, be able to play at a high level, man, that was, it was a dream. Man, so um, like I said before, there's a time where you had so much adversity and you found ways to muscle through, you found ways to get through it, right? And it might not have been a healthy way. It might just been your way, right, of getting through and making it to the next part of your life, right? Well, now you get to the NFL. Now there's more stress. There's fans, right? There's an eager for you to play, right? You have to make sure that you're doing everything right. You have to be a role model, right? There's money involved. There's politics. There's there's all this into a sport that was passionate for me. Now I have to learn how to play in a business game with a business mind, right? But nobody in my family have ever reached this part, right? And because I never really spoke about what I was dealing with or really even knew about what I was really going through, I was scared to even talk to anybody about it because I didn't want to feel like the you know the sheep or feel like I was... You know, asking for too much, or feel like I was weak. You know how it is. You know, you feel you feel like ah, I'm gonna just leave it alone, right? So I just thought I could continue to muscle through it, and I struggled in Philly. I really did. Um, It was a culture shock for me. It was uh, a time where we wasn't winning like how they are winning now, right? Um, And I remember my first year, I I didn't play, right? So again, I'm not playing. And then the next year I started to get my mojo back and then this was my first time facing adversity, getting hurt. Right. So if you think about it in a business sense, right, if you have someone and you spend money on someone or something, right, you want to see the return on your investment. Right. So after two years, I haven't really, they haven't really seen a return on their investment. So I really only got one year to show them, you know, that they, okay, possibly can get some return and maybe we can, you know, put this stock in another, you know, (laughs) in another place and continue to continue to grow. Well, I didn't do that well my third year and I ended up getting cut. So it was my first time ever reaching a challenge like that. And I'm like, now my livelihood is at stake. Now my passion for the love of the game is at stake, right? Because this has never happened to me before, right? And I still couldn't talk to anybody about it because people in my family, they were looking at it like, dang, bro, what happened, man? Like, you know, looking at it like, man, yeah, man, your son got cut, man. You know, instead of like looking at it like, man, I'm praying he laying on his feet, man. He going to be all right. They were, it was almost like they were happy. That it happened like, oh, man, look, look, Marcus, he got cut. Right. So I kind of had to deal with that. And I took that with me to Seattle. So I ended up going to Seattle, signing back with my coach at Louisville to get back on track. Right. They had the Legion in the boom they had everything there. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go there and I'm, I'm going to get back on track, man. I, I really am. And so I end up ended up going there and uh that's when I really dealt with my mental health issues because I, I never really addressed those those issues. So all those issues that y'all heard about, the things that I talked about before, me as a kid, high school, college, all of those, and then now you tack on the, the situation in Philly. Now I'm in Seattle with a whole bunch of baggage that I ain't never addressed. I ain't never talked about. Now that anxiety has turned into depression. Now I'm depressed a lot, of the times, right? Playing playing the game that I love. Two thousand eighteen, signed a two point seven million dollar deal with the Seahawks, one year deal, a prove it deal to show them, hey man, you can play. Right? But there was still something holding on me. There was still something that I couldn't get rid of that I did not address. So that same year in August, I tried to take my own life, right? And I and I talk about this uh, all the time. And I talk about it so freely because every time I talk about it, you know, it frees me and I'm hoping that it can free someone else, right? To encourage them to talk about their mental health, to actually seek a therapist, meditation prints, or um, something that can help them relieve some of the ideas, the thoughts that they, you know, are thinking, right? And so that's where I was. And you would think that my career is going on the uphill battle in which my career was but me on the other hand I was suffering I was dying on the inside and so that's why uh you know prince and ray like I took time away from the game and I decided to take my mental health serious seriously, seriously cuz I'm a god-fearing man right like this shouldn't be happening to me right so that was the first time that I actually took my mental health serious seriously and um Uh, I really started to open up and I opened up other guys. Other guys started to speak to me, talk to me about some of the things that they were dealing with because I came out and said something. And that's when a circle of them came about. Right? Because I'm like, yo, if everybody else is speaking to me about this, people on my team, then there has to be some type of change. There has to be something that we can do to continue to push the message for guys who are dealing with, whether you are a star, whether you got cut yesterday, right? This is why the Circle of M is here. We are here to unmask the feelings that are, that cause anxiety and depression. You know, that's it. And so that's where the Circle of M came out. That's why I started um, this foundation. And it's been going great. And I feel like guys are opening up and mental health is actually talked about a lot now which i'm very pleased with yo yo man
1: (laughs) beautiful man just i i I love the fact that you openly speak about it you 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 put your vulnerability out there and just let everybody know what's up this this who i am You, you know and that that's a that's a a sign of strength right because what we were taught back in the day was men do not show this part of the part of themselves. You don't get vulnerable. You don't cry. You don't shed tears, you know, but we have to understand that we're human beings as well. And we also have feelings and emotions. And so we need to learn how to uh, help in a, in a, in a healthy manner, release those emotions because emotions are energy and emotions. So it has to go somewhere. Right. And, and, the fact that you created this this foundation, this platform for other men to come in and express themselves and to show another side of of them being vulnerable allows for them to find their strength. Uh, what I like to say, they find their true power within their peace. And thank you for, you know, like creating this platform so people can find their true power and you're empowering them. Man,
0: appreciate that, bro. Yeah, that, that's 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 that, I think that's the biggest thing we can talk about. We talk about you know sports on on the show, um, you know, but to talk about game, you know, the conversation about mental health uh, uh, easier, especially for us as black men, like because that's always been a space that we need, we're too strong to talk about it, but it makes it stronger. We actually able to have that conversation and keep each other be our brothers keepers, you know. So man, I I appreciate that, Marcus, and, and like, I, I think we need to continue this conversation. We need to have it, have it you no know, longer. Yeah, of course, the show is a, is a small pocket of, a, of an opportunity to start the conversation. But, man, like, I think we opened up some some space here. We're going to help some people. So, you know, uh, you know honored to be on the same stage with both of you guys. Me too, man. Appreciate you guys. With that, with that, with that, with that being said, man, Prince, you got to wrap this thing up, man. It's, it's, you know, we can go all day. We can go all day, man. But man, hey, I know I is, talk this, this,
2: a lot. This is, this is,
0: this is beautiful, man. I, I know this is beautiful, I can. Man. <laughs> hey, <laughs> dude, we got we we gonna have you back on, Marcus, for sure. Yeah, we're gonna have we a have part two. On. We
1: gotta have a part two, man. We, we we always gotta have a part two because it's it's something that needs to be spoken about, and then it, it actually it it elicits a a, a feeling. Uh, some type of feeling inside of you. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it it can be an uncomfortable conversation, but then Mm -hmm. people lean in more and it was like, well, we'll we'll keep on talking. Like that's the part that (laughs) I want to hear because that's the part that they're going through in private, but in Mm -hmm. public, they never show it. Right. And so that's the thing. That was what you were going through. You were winning in public, but you were struggling in, in the private part of your life, man. And so a lot of us go through that and and we we need to be more open about these these topics and these conversations. so man, you know, we can go all day long. I, I got to close it out, but man, I just want to tell you thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? Uh, let our audience know.
2: uh Instagram, Moneymart 91 uh the circle of them, Instagram is the circle of them, and that's the circle of them on Twitter and Instagram uh and marcus smith ii on twitter if you guys want to find me nice hey you heard it make sure
1: that you hit him up especially if you're going through anything in life you know suicide that's a real thing so if you're struggling with any mental issues please call a hotline or reach out to marcus and his foundation because they're doing some incredible things and they're helping people that are listening just like you so don't think that you are ostracized or you're the only one that's going through these problems because I've I've experienced these problems as well. Ray has experienced these problems as well as black men. And so we're here to uplift each other and empower each other. And that's what the Circle of M is doing. So just want to m- make sure that y'all understand that we are here to help. Other than that, oh yeah, thecircleofm.com. Sorry. Thecircleofm.com. Go and check that out as well right and y'all know how we end this this great sports show, right? What do we always say? We always let everybody know man thank you for joining us for the best duo podcast in the world right now because that's what it is and we always say at the end of our show peace and power.
0: You got to give a lot just to get what you need sometimes y'all.